You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY, brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them in a minute, but just know they're our friends. Uh, joining me as always, well, no, I'm Bill Match, your director of Fun and Games. Didn't do that part. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to integrate all the stuff I have to say yeah. with what I always say. <laughs> I'm Bill Match, your director of Fun and Games. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, and our special guest today, Broad Street Hockey's own. Kelly Henkel. How we doing? Everyone's in a good mood, yeah. happy with what they're seeing out of the Flyers, things. I mean, we're all pretty pleased right now because jingoism, let's go USA. <laughs> uh, but I think with the uh, Flyers, people are... People are not happy. They're getting back into the the normal. The, nor- yeah. the normal. Things are of returning being angry. to normal. At yeah. least we got through the holidays. Yeah, right. At least the Flyers got us through Christmas, <laughs> and now the doldrums of winter are here, and things are getting back to it's normal. It's just falling back into the old habits. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about the team. I'm talking about the fans. People are used to being mad. This yes. is just familiar. We're yeah. an unhappy people, <laughs> and uh, here we are. Uh, the Flyers have lost six of seven. I think they're one three and three. They did extra a few points along yeah. the way uh but losing six to seven is not good especially in this ridiculously tight metro division this ridiculous eastern conference where everyone basically has somewhere between 40 and 46 points uh unless you're columbus who of course beat the flyers yeah. because why wouldn't they or you're the rangers who beat everybody yeah. uh pretty much everyone else has the same record <laughs> so if you were oh real invested in this playoff push Uh, It's going awry quickly. Let's just start with something good. I want to start with something good before we get into all of the scratch talk and all this. Travis Konechny named an all-star last night. The second time in his career, he'll be going to the all-star game. He is right now on pace for 43 goals, 75 points. I am happy for this guy, not just because it means... If they are to keep him, we'll talk about that in a minute. They have a legitimate star player. I don't know if we can call him superstar. You score 40 goals, though, and are around a point a game, you're a star player. Yeah. They have that. And I'm happy to see a man in this organization have a second level of development. When I'm talking about, like, Owen Tippett in my postgame last night, like, you know what he's going to end with? 27 goals again. He, that's what's going to happen. He's going to hit the exact number of last year. It's like, okay, well, that just must be that just must be what he is. And I see Travis connecting, and I think maybe there's another wave of development you can hit in your prime as Konechny did, and that gives me optimism. Just talk about Travis Konechny for a few minutes while I gather my thoughts on where the show's going. <laughs> <laughs> I think you make a really good point because I, I do think a lot of hockey fans – Flyers fans specifically, because I, I know them, um, have a tendency to assume that like when a player's 23, like that's what he is. He's never going to get any better. Like don't put your stock in him. Like I've, I've heard a lot of Flyers fans complain that like, actually the Flyers are a little too old to be excited about the players that we have, like, because we shouldn't expect them to get any better. And I think that Travis Konechny proves that yeah, like you're saying, Owen Tippett could get better. This isn't what he is. It doesn't have to be. A lot of these guys could end up getting better than they are. And I think it's silly to just assume that 
once a guy hits, like you said, their prime age, that that's the end of development. It's not. If they get put in a position to do well and they buy into a coach like he obviously has with Tortorella, then you can get a real pop from a player, and that's that's good. It's something that we can, I think, look forward to with a number of the guys we have on this team. I think this is a, a way where the analytics mindset can go too far because I think it, <gasps> I think it's a good thing that people have acknowledged. Pre-analytics, I feel like a lot of people in the game would talk about how you know, oh, you're not you're not at your peak as a defenseman until you're 28 years old, or you know, the the prime ages of, of players is between 26 and 30. Like that's when they're at their best, and you really dive into the numbers it's and, like and you look at to 28. Yeah, actually. it's like it's yeah. actually it's probably more like 22 to 26 or 27 is when the guys are in their physical peak. But here's the thing. On average. And that I think is the key where like, I don't think you can expect a player who is 26, 27 years old to deliver his best season. That's not a fair assumption to make. And the analytics way of looking at players is correct in that that shouldn't be the expectation. They were right to push back against the conventional wisdom. However, average doesn't mean that's the way it's going to work for every player. Some players will have their best season at age 27. Some players will have their best season at age 19 and then never match that. Like it's when we're talking about, when we're talking about the average, we're talking about a bunch of outcomes smashed together. We're not talking about that. Like, Oh, well he's older than 23. That means he's never going to get any better. It just means that on average, Guys are usually at their peak at 23, 24. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to be at their peak at 23, 24. And it doesn't mean that we should give up hope that a guy can be a little bit of a late bloomer because those guys exist. Like, look at Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny, I think, especially now going by the way his career played out, I think what happened with Travis Konechny is that Travis Konechny in the 2019, 2020 season, when I believe he was 22 years old, he broke out. That was the player he was going to become. Then the entire Flyers organization fell apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that dragged him down. That he was a guy who, if he was in a healthy organization at age 23, age 24, would have continued to grow and build on what he yep. did at age 22. Instead, the Flyers were an absolute dumpster fire, and it hurt someone like Konechny's development. It hurt his progress, and it stagnated him and even turned him into a guy who regressed. Now that the Flyers are back to being a normal functioning organization that isn't a total dumpster right. fire, Konechny is back to building off of what he would have done in a normal functioning organization at age 23, 24. That's what I think happened with him. Yeah, and how many of these kind of like mid-age guys that the Flyers have have ever been put in a position to do well? None of them, really. Like even Owen Tippett, he wasn't getting a shot in Florida. True. Here he's getting a shot, so he's probably going to be able to grow into something a little bit better. All the guys that have been on the Flyers for a few years, as Charlie just said— were living in a dumpster fire. They probably weren't having a great opportunity to improve their skills when the team was an absolute disaster. So, like, it's not out of the realm that we have an, a couple more Konechny's on this team. It's just, we were talking about Patrick Line coming yeah. out of last night's game. Ages 18 and 19, he scored 80 goals. Is that good? He hasn't topped 30 since then. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, it, uh, this, watching this, this that guy is like... It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. Like, development is it? We just watched him in a whole game last night. I didn't notice him one time. Just very odd the way that's worked out. Look at somebody like Carter Hart. Like, I'm not saying I even know what Carter Hart is ultimately going to become. Maybe this is all he is. He's just a a good starting NHL goalie. But the fact that he had bad save percentages on save percentages on teams that couldn't even do a line change right like that's not his true talent level yeah. what Goalies he did at age 23 yeah. was like not what i would evaluate as him on a perfectly normal organization because like these teams the teams in 2020 2021 so the the year right after the right after the pause and then the year after that the year where Elaine Vigneau got fired like those teams couldn't even do the basics of NHL hockey it was impossible to accurately evaluate the guy the young guys especially on those teams because they were getting no support by their coaches or by anybody I just think of like and you were probably at these practices. Just w- when we're reading the reports, they practiced changing lines today. Bless. And it was like, dog, I played in middle school, high school. We didn't do that. We, 
and we never got called for too many men and we weren't good we were all not good at hockey but like we, we knew how and when to change it's like yeah they're not uh they're not executing this we actually have to take time in practice to do it like, no nah, probably weren't gonna get the best out of anyone when that's the base level of this organization so time. i'm just i'm excited for travis connect me but as now we switch the conversation to where this is going and like i started off saying they've lost six of seven right uh and it, earlier in the season like they had the nice whatever it was three and one start and then they went into a little slump we were saying after those games these are kind of perfect rebuild losses where everything looks good but a couple of things went wrong so you lost we can absolutely live with that that's what you want to see out of a rebuilding team the process has not been good yeah. in these last seven games no. or so. Uh, things are starting to go the other way. And I think what had me most excited about what this team was doing, winning these games, yeah, the way I would have done it if I was Keith Jones, we're going to go 0-82 and try to get Macklin celebrating. That's how I would have done it. But when you're seeing these young guys contribute, Bobby Brink, oh my God, Bobby Brink, first couple, what, month and a half of the season? He's he was top five in rookie yeah. points. Like, here we go. Okay. You're seeing these young guys contributing. You're excited. Emil Andre makes the team. All right. If it's them, if they're the ones who are going to be the catalysts here, how can we be upset that they're winning? Well, now we are in worst case scenario territory where it's TK, and I'll throw Couturier in there, and the goalies, we said Carter Hart, but now Arison and Hart are both kind of doing it. Well, we can mention Farabee. He's been awesome, too. Yeah. But it's basically one line, and it's all dudes who've been here a while, and the goalies, and they're the ones, if they win, that are doing it all, and when they lose, it's like, yeah, look at who scored last night. TK twice, both times Nobody from Farabee and Couturier, and the goalie was pretty good again. Yeah. Uh, that's the worst possible yeah, case the, scenario. But, but also, you you just kind of brush aside the goalie. The goalie was good again. The goalie is Sam Harrison, who's another young guy. Yes. <laughs> I am excited about what Sam Harrison is. But if none of the defensemen other than Travis Sanheim are like, oh, yeah, he's going to be here. Like, I don't think any of these guys are. Maybe Igor Zamula as the six. If I look at these forwards and go, oh, none of them are going to be like, good top six guys. I think Forster probably will. Bobby Brink has a good shot in that middle six, maybe second, maybe third line. But like, it's kind of a worst case scenario of they're not ahead of schedule the way I thought they were. And if they're not ahead of schedule, the idea of keeping, resigning Travis Konechny becomes kind of ludicrous. See, I, like, dis I disagree. I, I, because to me, maybe maybe I disagree because I wasn't as excited about the last month and a half as you were. Like, to me, this is what I expected. You asked me in mid-December if I thought the Flyers were going to make the playoffs, and I still said no because I still didn't think they were going to make the no. playoffs. I fully expected this to happen. So this is no surprise to me. And John Tortorella has been telling us this is going to happen. He's been telling us that, hey, we're going to start losing games. He made sure. Guess what? Yeah. They, they're losing games. They're losing a lot of games. And to me, them being ahead of schedule was not they're going to make the playoffs. To me, be, them being ahead of schedule was, is the process better? Are guys like Couturier and Sanheim not cap albatrosses? Are they still legitimately good players? Are quite a few of the young guys showing that they can be, you know, in the next two, three years, legitimate contributing pieces to this? Like, I am not nearly as negative about this run, Probably in part because I wasn't nearly as positive about the run before this as you were. It's not my negativity about the results. It's that these guys who I'm counting, and listen, they could bounce back. It's always about how you respond. Maybe they come back out of this at some point. I just am looking at Tyson Forster like, bro, you got to score sometimes. Yeah. Bobby Brink, you have to be... Uh, like making a difference on more something. shifts than you are like a couple of weeks ago we're talking about Rasmus Ristolainen and like oh no this is the playoff Risto we were seeing and he's been fine he's yeah. all right 
But I can't say he's a guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm happy we're paying him five million bucks. I was never happy they were paying I'm him five million bucks. Like, <laughs> I'm happy he's in the lineup despite making five million bucks, I guess is the way I should have put that. I just – I see this now, and I hate to use these time frames because it's become such a joke. But when I saw them as legitimately possibly two to three years away, oh, keeping Konechny, that makes all the sense in the world. If it's going to be five – that's you can't I agree you simply can't do it but I haven't seen anything over this run to tell me that it's gonna be five I still think it could be two to three because like Tyson Forrest is 21 years old his underlying metrics are still fantastic yeah he's not scoring but if he starts scoring and again he's 21 years old I've always thought it was going to take some time for him to turn into the guy he's going to become if he starts scoring, suddenly he's a really, really good player. Bobby Brink, I didn't even expect him in the NHL this year. The fact that he's doing anything is an upgrade over my preseason expectations for Bobby Brink. Cam York, I don't think he's going to be a star defenseman, but he sure looks like a perfectly fine top four guy to me. That's one fewer young top four guy you need to get, especially if Sanheim is legitimately a like number two, number three. And if Oliver Bonk in a couple years comes up and is a pretty darn good top four guy too, then all you really need is that clear cut number one. Easier said than done, sure, but it's a it's fewer guys that you need to get because you got the rest of them. And I I'm really liking what I'm I've been hearing about Emil Andre playing down in the minors. So I I don't know I I don't look at this as again I really think of what it boils down to. As I said, is that I wasn't as excited about the the run in in early to mid December, which is why I'm not as dis disappointed about this decline. Because I expected this decline. I guess, Kelly, where, where, where's your head at right now? So I kind of think Saturday's game is kind of a big measuring stick. Only because I, I do think we might be overreacting a bit to the fact that they were trash on the road trip. Because they're all, literally always trash on this road trip. True. Always. Except last year. Except last year. But that messes with my arguments, and we're not going to mention it. No. <laughs> um, I mean, like, they're historically pretty bad on the Disney trip. Yes. They come back home last night. And their coach, for some reason, decides, I'm going to make it really hard for you guys to win this game. Yeah. Let's see what you can do. And so not really put in the best position there. If they can, with you know the right guys back in the lineup, if they can put a game together on Saturday against Calgary that's pretty good, I mean, like, suddenly it's like, oh, okay, we're fine. Like, and everything's fine. The lineup decisions that have been made, and maybe it's just the coach – I don't know, just deciding I'm, you know, I've been telling everyone born? we're going to lose some games yeah, right. and we're going to face some adversity. So I'm going to instill some adversity. Maybe yeah. he, this is all part of his big mind fuck and it's going to work out in the end, mm -hmm. but we're going to get to that in a second. First, I got it because that's the second part of that. Yes. First, I got to tell you though about our friends at Mortgage CS. Uh, Mortgage CS stands for Mortgage Concierge Service. And that is exactly what they provide is the best possible customer service for anybody who contacts them. You see uh, Ben, the CEO's number up on the screen right now. You can call her, text them. You can, if you have questions about where you are in the mortgage process, you want to see if you can apply, if you wherever you are, or you want to be like, what the hell is John Tortorella yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. He will answer those sure texts. Will. He will get back to you 100% because that is what Mortgage CS is all about. Uh, they get, they have uh, full control of the lenders they work with. They're available 24-7. They're here to educate and empower their clients. We sat down with the people at Mortgage CS and you know some of it, they're, they're breaking down the uh, all the ins and outs of the business. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't fully understand it, but the, <laughs> they understood that I didn't understand and they were able to put it in ways that I get. All three of us here are homeowners and that process is uh, arduous yeah, it was to say awful. the least. Not great. Yeah. It is not fun. Mm -mm. And, and if you don't know where you are, like, oh, can I even... Can I even get a mortgage? Can I even get a loan? They will figure that out for you if you're not quite sure, you're looking down the line. They'll tell you, this is what you need to do so that when you're ready, you're actually ready. It's yeah. everything you've ever wanted from this sort of uh, from this sort of service Mortgage CS provides. When you hear the word mortgage, think 
of Mortgage CS. Think of Ben and Alex. Save Ben's telephone number. If you're listening on the pod, you don't see it on the screen. 267-391-7425. Save it to your phone. You can always email Ben at ben at mortgagecs.com. Call or text Ben any time of day or night to talk Philly sports. And check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started. We're still, you know, yeah, I I, I think, you know, and this is, I think, the second time I've had the opportunity to talk about this. But I think what's really cool about these guys is they do they they want to essentially be, you know, because before you buy a house, they are functionally unpaid advisors. Yeah. Like this is this is a weird time to be wanting to buy a house. Interest rates are through the roof. And maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, you know what, like. I don't think I want to have that big, that big of an interest rate for my mortgage right now, but I do have the plan in the next two, three years. Hopefully things go down a little bit. Your financial situation's in a little bit better shape. Maybe I want to go down that path. And the great thing about these guys is you can you can text them now and just ask them questions, pick their brain, and they're not going to be asking you for money. It's just going to be like, hey, we, we want to we wanna build up a rapport now with you. So that when you're ready, you come to us and you trust us to help you out. And, you know, as you said, as we've said, we've met both of them. They're good people. Um, one thing that I thought was really cool was that after we did the first read on the first night, they got back to us through our uh, through our advertising rep and said, we got so many texts from people that are already excited. So honestly, even if you just want to drop them a text and say like, hey, thanks for, for supporting, you know, PHLY Flyers. We followed Bill and Charlie and Kelly for so long. You know, we're, we appreciate you being on board. And I just think they like the idea of being part of the community that we build. And I think that's what's exciting for both it's of us. It's huge. And again, like the house buying uh process it sucks they can make it a lot easier for you and they're also as charlie said interested in building up that community getting on the ground floor with them a lot of the way we're like let's build this phly now for the flyers so that when they're good this is the place you come yeah get in with mortgage cs now and when you're ready to buy a house you already have that rapport you already have that relationship they're building that community as well so go to mortgagecs.com slash phly to get started all right we have done our uh, we have done our, our duty with that i want to get to the second part of why i'm not all that excited about i won't say not excited about the future like we're watching cutter gochier leading world juniors and scoring yeah he had the uh, the goal yesterday to put them into the gold medal game yeah. it's on right now like obviously mishkov's coming over you mentioned oliver Bonk. yeah eventually we sure hope so yeah eventually <laughs> oliver Bonk, denver barky is uh, barky's been killing it like it, there's lots of reasons to be excited about the future there's guys on the phantoms or are there? That's where I start to like, all right, if this is going to be a team that's ready to compete in two, three years, like actually compete, maybe not for a cup, but to go on a run of some kind, they need dudes in the system right now who are ready to jump into an NHL lineup and be good players. Last night, they scratched Cam Atkinson. He has not been good for, for months at this point. Yeah, they scratched Morgan Frost because his name is Morgan Frost, yeah. so they scratched <laughs> him. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Um, they replaced him with a guy named Rhett Gardner who has four points in the AHL this year, and they decide, you know what, that's enough. We took out two forwards. They're only going to put one in, and he's not very good. He got one shift in the third period, while Nick Delorier comes back into the lineup, plays no shifts in the third period. So they went with nine forwards in the third period of a game last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that they don't have the confidence to go with any of the Phantoms. Maybe it's Cooper Marodi, who, yeah, only has seven games NHL experience, but he has eight goals, 27 points, and 31 games in the AHL last, uh, this year. Now, he has a minus 13, so maybe he's just a guy who scores for them, and he couldn't really play in the Tortorella system, whatever he asks. But you also look at Samu Tuomala, a young guy that got an extended look in camp. Eight goals, 25 points, and 31 games. Lazinski, eight goals, 23 points, and 26 games. Ali Lixell, 12 goals in 26 games. Garrett Wilson, who has 84 games of NHL experience, 16 points. Daniel Ye played four games last year. Wade Allison, 75 games of NHL experience, including 60 last year. Nah, none of these guys can come up. It's got to be Rhett Gardner who we don't trust to play. He definitely exists. If this is what they have, it's like, yeah, they 
We just, we're not going to do it. That tells me you don't think they can help you win. And if they can't help you win, what are they going to be uh, okay, ultimately? Okay. I, I want to, I want to take a big old step back here because I think you're going, I, th I think you are taking this a bit too far because Bill, they went with nine what? guys so, so, in the third so, period. So here is my suspicion as to what the thought process was behind the whole red card. Oh, I wonder if it's the same as mine. I think this was more than that a repudiation of the guys in the AHL. This was his way of sending a message to Atkinson and Frost to basically be like, this is how badly we don't want you in the lineup right now that we are basically willing to talk. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Those guys are, the, the, a lot of the guys you mentioned, aside from Garrett Wilson, because he's not even on an NHL contract, they wouldn't be able to play him even if they wanted to. They are better. However, Danny Breer is not here right now. Danny Breer is in Sweden watching the World Juniors. Ooh. That, that's where he is. That's where he and him and Jonesy are. They are watching Cutter Gauthier yeah. do Cutter Gauthier things. My guess is that, like, they were not going to have Samu Tulamalo make his NHL debut without the general manager in the building. Okay, like it just wasn't going to happen. They wanted to have like Danny Briere was going to want to watch one of their better prospects make his debut. I think Samu Tuomala very well might have been in the building because Samu Tuomala's brother was in the building and Samu Tuomala the day before the game went to a Sixers game. Like, I think this was a purposeful point that Tortorella was trying to make to the team that no, no, Morgan, we're not benching you because we want to give Sam Tuomala a shot. We're benching you because we're ticked off at you and we don't think you're playing well. And Cam, same thing. Do I agree with that thought process? No, not really. That's petty. But, That's petty and not stupid. really. But I think this was the, the decision that was made was all about sending a message. It was Tortorella trying to send a message because he knew, hey, like, I'm not going to be able to call up a prospect while my GM is overseas. Like, that's not going to be a thing. It's 2024. They have the fucking internet it's not, in Sweden. It's, it's not that. It's it's the fact that he wanted to send a message to Cam Atkinson and Morgan Frost, and he was willing to go out there with a weaker team to send the strong message that he wanted to send. Why can't you send that message with Wade Allison? Like, you can still say... Because they're not happy with I'm Wade sitting, Allison. Well, here's my here's my <laughs> thought. happy with them. My happy with Rhett Gardner? My He's no good. This, so this isn't the first time they called up Gardner. Right, I'm not. No, he called. No, this was the, the first this, time he played. This, well, he was called up. See, that's the thing. I think he was called up not because of anything that Red Gardner did. He was called up to be the emergency call up on the road trip. Okay, and because he happened to still be here when Tortorella sent a message, he happened to be the guy that came. So here's my problem with this. I'm worried that he is like Ian Laperriere's little pet. Like Ian Laperriere no. likes the way no, he plays he's, the he's, game because he's, he's not good. He's not. Rhett Gardner is irrelevant. Do not worry no, about Rhett Gardner. No, he's a, a, a non-playing character. Like, he's nothing. So the, the point Mark is... New Mark Alt. Yeah. Like, probably worse than Mark Alt, actually. <laughs> but, like, I... It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're punishing the entire team. Now, you're not just punishing Morgan Frost and Cam Atkinson. You're punishing the entire team. You're punishing the 18,000 fans in the building to see you come home. You're punishing us because we have to watch and talk about it. Like, that doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, that's asinine. It makes, that's, it makes sense to Torts. If that's what he did, like, that's... He threw a game. Basically, he whole, decided to yeah. throw a game against a last place team. Every his, decision he made in for this game last night was like a distillation of all of the problems I have with John Tortorella and all of the worries I have about him as a coach of a rebuilding team. And it's worrisome to see that... It really didn't take much for him to get back to this spot. <laughs> like yeah, they, they like they they lost a bunch of games, sure, but a lot of the losses were like that Detroit game, which were fun as hell and really close. Okay, they lost it, but like they eh, lost the Detroit eh. game because Carter Hart hadn't played in two weeks. Right. Like so, whatever. But it like if it gets worse than this, what's going to happen? Like how how petty and weird are we going to get with the lineup if they? play worse than they played on this it's, road trip? It's a good question. I think Torts is in scratch mode right now. And if, if the team keeps losing, more guys are going to get scratched. So I mean, I don't have a problem with the scratching. The scratching is fine. No, it's just like, if but you're you not replacing them, like, you can't help us win games, so we're going to put in someone who can, that is that good. That makes sense, yes. You're not helping us win games, so we're going to lose them on fucking purpose. Yeah. That's stupid. And well, there's, there's I'm going to shoot myself well, in the head because uh, I'll show I you. Like, yeah, yeah, that'll show you. So, okay. So, so the way Tortorella looks at it is he 
sent a message to those two guys and he sent a message to the rest of the team saying i want you to carry the load like yes do i think it was ridiculous that travis connected play 26 minutes and john Gutierrez played 23 yeah but john tortorella doesn't because john tortorella looks at it and says you know what these guys are these guys maybe are, are are falling into the trap of thinking that they're too tired to win you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be like well make them more tired may, no but seriously <laughs> yeah. that, that's the way he looks at it is that okay you're gonna say you're tired i'm gonna force you to go out there and just find a way to get past that tiredness and find a way to make it so that's not an excuse to go out there and just empty the freaking tank do i agree with this entire philosophy no but the philosophy isn't as you said that they think the guys in the ahl stink that's not the philosophy this is john tortorella's way in my mind of trying to not necessarily throw a game, but maybe sacrifice a few percentage points of, of likely win percentage to try to make a point that he thinks will make the team better in the long term. Again, he might be right, he might be wrong. I personally wouldn't go this route, but this to me is more of a coaching tactic than him and the organization not thinking that Tanner Lazinski or Sam Amal can play or not thinking that that game was worth winning. Frost and Atkinson coming out Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, especially Atkinson, he deserved it. Mm-hmm. Frost. They We're don't basically think- just mad about Frost because if they would have, if they would have just, <laughs> if they would have just scratched Atkinson and just threw Rhett Gardner in for yeah, Cam whatever. Atkinson and kept Frost in and dressed twelve forwards, no one would have cared. No, no because going if going eleven forwards, seven defensemen when you don't have to is fucking crazy to me. It makes no sense. Maybe you want to reward Mark Stahl for scoring. You also don't want to no. take out Zamula. What? A, it's just buy him. Frost and Atkinson coming out. uh, Frost and Atkinson coming out. That's whatever. They didn't replace them anyone. But also what happened on top of that. I mentioned Delorier and Gardner. They combined for one shift in the third period. They both play under seven and a half minutes. This also means Paling needs to play 15-10. Hathaway needs to play 15-30. Lawton needs to play 18-08 to make up for it. You're not gonna win that game. No, he threw that game. That's I don't losing think he, on I don't purpose. Think he threw that. You game. can't make those decisions. He said this, these two points aren't important. And he, not and the, know I, that the likelihood is that you're going to lose. I, this game. I would say, well, number one, I would say Columbus is legitimately that bad they that, they, that they, they could they, they could have won anyway. I, mean, fair. I think it's less that they were throwing the game and more that John Turrell basically said, you know what, like if if I if I maximize the the quality of the lineup, we probably have a. 62% chance of winning this game. If I do what I did, we have a 51% chance of winning this game. I've turned it into a coin flip and I purposely am making my lineup weaker because I want to make a larger point to those two guys and to the rest of the team. Again, I don't agree with it, but I don't think this is him saying, oh, well, we're just going to lose this game because I'm pissed off at Morgan Frost. There was a thought process behind it, even if I think the thought process behind it was faulty. Yeah, the thought process was, eh, we'll see. Yeah, like that's, and that's not, that's just stupid to me. Like that is punishing the entire team for guys you're mad. Like Cam Atkinson hasn't scored in 22 games. You know whose fault that is? Cam Atkinson's. Morgan Frost, whatever the problem is with him, that's the problem with Morgan Frost. Why are you taking that out on, the, one, the young players I mentioned who didn't get a shot, mm-hmm. as well as the guys in the lineup who are working their ass off, despite being maybe both banged up and sick like Travis Konechny is, or like all the undisclosed injuries we don't know about because it's hockey and dudes just play. Like you're taking it out on all of them, and that is what leads to his message getting lost sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'd like it to be. It's certainly possible. And that, that's and, what and, leads to and, it. and that's the risk you take. The risk you take as a coach is how many times can you go to the scratching well? How many times can you purposely make a win more difficult to achieve for your existing players before they start saying, this guy's crazy? I don't think he's there yet. I, I think the team still trusts and likes likes torts. And we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about Atkinson and per, per, uh, presumably Frost's response. We did not get to talk to Frost today. We did talk to Atkinson. But I think we more or less got Frost's response to this via John Tortorella. And I think both of their responses were positive, Let's which is do- good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I want to do Atkinson before I do rocket money because I'm fired up about this now. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk about Atkinson. So, Torts spoke on Atkinson and Atkinson spoke as well today. Yes. He's obviously, we know the history of these two goes back to Columbus. He right. scored 40 goals for Tortorella. There's a, there's a lot of mutual there's, fondness there between the two. He is one of the Torts guys. Yes. So, take us through uh, Torts talking about Atkinson first. So, Torts basically said, look, I mean, he wasn't willing to give an explanation after the game as to why he more just said the players know that's all that matters to me today he went into a little bit more detail and he more or less said look Atkinson hasn't been scoring goals and that's his job but it goes beyond that and this was the quote that I thought was a really interesting one he said I have too much respect for him to let him to continue to go down the road he was going and that's as damning as you're gonna get out of especially for one of his guys that basically I was seeing his entire game fall apart and Atkinson probably getting frustrated and letting his details slip. And Torres was just like, I can't let that stand. And he, Torres more or less said, look, I gave him a longer leash than I would have otherwise because Atkinson missed all of last season. This was just a bridge too far. And my guess the bridge too far was, was that incredibly stupid penalty that he took at the end of the second period against Edmonton. Because that's what, like... Atkinson, when this slump started, I, it was like four or five games in a row where he had at least one breakaway and yeah. just didn't score. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, well, this is going to even itself out. This guy scores goals. He's still putting himself in position. They're just not going in. And then it was like, oh, he's reaching a lot with his stick. He's doing like he was taking penalties. There's, I think, like what five penalties in four games or something he took. It was just getting to the point where the rest of his game was going down. And that's what Torts acknowledges there. I fully see that. And that's, I don't have a problem with the scratchings, especially of Cam Atkinson now because time. he has been bad. And I do think that sends him at, like, you scratch Morgan Frost, no one in that locker room is going to bat an eye. They, the 11th I'm sure they knew it happened. It. It's yeah. the 11th time this year. And right. we're not halfway through the season yet. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it makes sense. Like, when it's Cam Atkinson, everyone's going to look around and go, oh, shit, that's his buddy. Like, they go to dinner. You know? Yeah. Like, so uh, I get that message sending. It's just the fact that you decided not to replace him. That's what frustrates yes, me. Yes. This, uh, but Cam Atkinson, you got to talk to him as well. Yeah, and Atkinson. I mean, we can say that a guy says all the right things, and generally speaking, guys do. Atkinson really, I would say, said all the right things in He's that a pro. he didn't even like when we've interviewed guys like Joel Farabee, you know, or Travis Sand. I'm not saying they did anything wrong here. But, you know, Kevin Hayes last year, they would be like, yeah, I disagree with the decision, but he's the coach, I'm the player, and, you know, I just have to live with it, and I have to, you know, push through and, and deal with it and be a better player. Cam Atkinson straight up said, I deserve to be scratched. His, his quote was, I take full ownership of the scratching and deservedly so. I got to get back to playing with my energy and demanding the puck and wanting the puck. I kind of let that slide, hoping that things would come my way, and obviously they haven't. So this is exactly why... John Tortorella likes Cam Atkinson so much as a person because this How is like this is catnip for John Tortorella. Yeah. Like, come on, this is music to his ears. This is exactly what he wants a player to say after being scratched: is that it was totally my fault. The coach was right. I have, um, I have no segue, and I can't see the score of the game. Do we have four an update? Two. It's four two USA. Outstanding. Well, I, if you've been following my uh, saga on, on Twitter, <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to watch. to watch the World Junior Championship because I have YouTube TV, so I don't have NHL Network. No one has NHL Network. Uh, and I ended up getting a free trial of Fubo. Oh. Now, I am uh, an idiot, so I'm definitely going to forget to cancel this free trial. Yeah. 
That's why I Tell need me, yes, a service like Rocket Money. Uh, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if there's something I see that I don't want, I can cancel with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service, which is... That's my nightmare. Uh, they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save, has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. You're thinking... No, oh, you know, it's a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there. No, it adds up. Sure does. It adds up very quickly. I told you just last week I subscribed to New Japan World because I wanted to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Well, guess what? That is coming gone. I am still subscribed. <laughs> I badly need Rocket Money so I can just click it and it takes it away for me. So I'm not charged the 900 yen next month. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash P-H-L-Y. All right, now let's get to I the... I love uh, that point. It's my favorite part. <laughs> let's get to the Morgan Frost of it all, because goddamn, I love this conversation. I it's love so talking fun. about him. I, He's my favorite like, player. I'm acting as if I'm upset about it, but it's, it's the decision to yeah. say, has he been scoring? No. In the 16 games without Noah Cates, he has seven points. That's, this was your opportunity. You're not taking advantage of it. I'm disappointed for you. He's been okay, though. He's, it's like been, he's been bad. Fine. No, yeah. he has been fine. Yeah. But it's clear but that he, he has to be more than fine. He needed oh, to yeah. be the right. guy who he was last. And I mean, like he missed one game last season. Yeah. He came in this year having done what he did in the final 55 games. And the coach was like, yeah, we'll see. And the we'll see is 11 scratchings in the first half of the season. Like he's on pace for to miss 22 games. That's <laughs> wild to me. Uh, he hasn't stepped up. Yeah. You would say I he's would agree been, with that. He's been fine for a lot of it. Uh, some people believe his trip was bad. Other people believe it was the same as everyone else's. Yeah. And that's why they weren't good on the trip. But obviously it's John Tortorella. If there's someone to blame, it's like, well, I have a list of five guys. One of them's Frost. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy. Like, it's his fault. What, what is going on with the Morgan Frost situation? I, I just think that's what it boils down to, is that it seems like every time the Flyers are struggling, every time the Flyers go through a rough patch, John Torrell just brings out his in-case-of-emergency bench Frost butt. Like, that's just, it's his go-to. And, and I talked about this on Twitter yesterday before, I think it was before the game, where... What it really boils down to, and this is what this is the key to it all. He doesn't see Morgan Frost as essential to this lineup. And we've even talked about this, about the fact that the Flyers have played some really, really good stretches with Morgan Frost benched. And it's one of the reasons why it's hard to get too angry at him being scratched, because it's not like the team falls off a cliff when he's not playing. They usually play pretty decent, pretty much the exact same way they play with him in. And like compare him to a guy like Lawton, who we all agree is not having that great of a year. In spite of the fact that Lawton is not having that great of a year, especially by his standards, he is still on the top shorthanded gold duo with Travis Konechny. He still is the only guy wearing an A. He gives them a reason aside from point production to keep him in the lineup. You have even a guy like Ryan Paling, also a penalty kill guy, a penalty kill stalwart. There are guys on this team that maybe you could point to and say they should be benched. Bobby Brink, yeah, he's an offense guy like Frost, but he's also a rookie. So they're going to prioritize his development more than a guy who's been in the league for a few years. They look at Morgan Frost, I think, John Sordell especially, looks at Morgan Frost as the easiest guy to pull out of the lineup when he wants to send a message because it doesn't have as big of an impact on the rest of the lineup as pulling out a guy like Scott Lawton would. The only real impact it has is on the power play, but Morgan Frost can't score on the power play anyway, so who gives a crap? Nobody. I just think that that he looks at Frost as the easiest guy to pull out of the lineup when he wants to send a message. He doesn't particularly love Morgan Frost on the whole, so it's just easy, and he goes to press that easy button, which is the bench Morgan Frost. I think that's really what it boils down to when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it. That's 
all well and good. Like I said, I don't even think it matters if Morgan Frost turns out somewhere else because it's never going to happen here. The guy who seems to have at least half the say, if not more, does not like him, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he's not going to make it here. That said, in a situation like last night, the team is worse without Morgan. Yes, and yeah. I, I, like, again, don't believe in him. Think he's probably just going to be a guy, and if he fig figures it out somewhere else, I was wrong. Tip of the cap. The team in a situation last night is worse without Morgan Frost because they replaced him with nobody. They said having no one is better than having Morgan Mike Frost. Carter has four points, Bill. In the AHL. That's not <laughs> yeah, the AHL. <laughs> On a team that like seems to have a bunch of scores, they went with the guy who isn't one of them. Yeah. I, I'm, this is just what baffles me about the decision. Like You made the team worse on purpose. Maybe this is all part of the big culture building scheme, but I don't see how when you've been like, we're going to be the team that works hard. We're no, we don't tack. That's not what we do. This is akin to that. It's not, we're going to put out a bad lineup on purpose. It is though. Like we're going to make this as hard as possible for no reason other than I'm mad and I'm yeah. mad. So I'm going to take it out on Morgan Frost, even though everyone has sucked. Like Nick Delorier back in the lineup, but doesn't play in the third period. Why'd you play him? Yeah, Why totally is Nick Delorier more important like against the Blue Jackets, who yeah. in the first half of this game seem more than happy to lose it three to one? Yeah. They would have been very pleased with themselves if they lost. There, nothing happened in the first thirty-five minutes of this game. It was very like, boring. It was just back and forth. It was a free skate out there. You didn't need Nick Delorier in the lineup, but. He's got to play, yeah. except until it gets to the third period, and then no. Yeah, when like, you need good hockey players. I, I, the whole thing is just, it makes no sense to me. And he can explain it in any way, and maybe I'll be wrong in a couple of weeks when all uh, Cam Atkinson has another eight goals in 15 games like he did to start the season, and maybe Morgan Frost turns it up, because that's what we heard about Morgan Frost today. He actually went to the coach. Th this, I think, is maybe the most positive thing that came out of this. And I look, I am still of the belief that this is going down the path of Morgan Frost getting moved, not necessarily at the trade deadline, but like in the offseason that both sides are going to agree that, hey, this just ain't going to work. However, if it does actually work and Morgan Frost, by some, you know, infinitesimal chance is still on this team and a key member of this team five, six years down the road, I could easily see us point to this particular day as the start of the of the turnaround of the turning point we've talked about trying to figure out like what doesn't torts like about morgan frost what is it is it the fact that he's not that physical probably that's probably part of it he's been more physical lately. is is it the fact that he isn't that great defensively probably part of it in the beginning i do think he's gotten better defensively the numbers have gotten better he seems like a more detail-oriented player this year than he was last year in his own zone it's never going to be a selkie guy like sorry that's just not who he is but he's going to be a better defensive player than he was two years ago, and that's good. So what is it? What ticks Torts off so much about Morgan Frost? And I think we might have gotten a hint as to what it was today. So annoying. But it's so Torts. I know. I think he has long viewed Morgan Frost as something of a pushover who doesn't have the kind of pushback that he wants out of a player, that he just doesn't have that fire in the belly. And that's why today was interesting because – Leading up to the scratch, John Tortorella said, because Morgan Frost, we we wanted to talk to Morgan Frost. He kind of ducked out while we were talking to Cam Atkinson. We asked to talk to him. He apparently got out of the facility. He didn't want to talk to the media. You know what? That's fine. Whatever. He's ticked off. It's all good. But John Tortorella gave us some really interesting and important contacts here. So Tortorella said that he had two conversations with Frost before the benching. They had one general conversation, I think probably about Torts' and the coaching staff's general dissatisfaction with Frost on the plane ride back from Edmonton, on the plane ride back from the trip. And then, because they canceled morning skate on Thursday, he couldn't have a conversation with him in person, so he called him on the phone and he gave his specific reasons as to why Morgan Frost was not playing on Thursday. Apparently, at some point this morning, Morgan Frost basically marched into Torts' office and said, we need to talk more. And here's the quote. I was thrilled that he came in and wanted to talk and gave me some of his thoughts and not agree, essentially, with the decision to scratch him. This is a huge step for me with Frosty is him coming in and saying, you know what, this is what I think. It's so important that players do that. It creates a bit of a path for him and I as we try to go through this. Like, 
I really think that Torts has been like almost like waiting for Frost to do this. And you can roll your eyes, but this I is am. this is John Tortorella. I know. This is what he wants out of guys. Take your shirt off and fight me, and then you can play. Like, yeah, one hundred percent. That's who he is. Yeah. And it's like it's just that's, so stupid. And I but know, that's Torts. I, I, I know. I know. I accept it. I understand it. But it's so fucking stupid. Thinking, <laughs> thinking back to like Torts early. The Tampa Bay teams strips the C off of Vinny LeCavalier. <laughs> Those two have had by uh, both saying so many fuck you, fuck you arguments back in. Now they talk on the phone all the time. They're pals. Uh, Dale Weiss. I heard an interview with him recently where he was talking about torts and it's like, you know, when I was a young guy, he started out with the Rangers, like when torts was there and didn't like, didn't know he needed to push back against him. And then he's in Vancouver with Torts, and he goes, oh, I'd go into his office and tell him to fuck himself, and he loved me. <laughs> this is so who he yeah. is. It is. It's so it is. Every former player who actually likes him now goes, basically, you need to get in a fight with him, and then he's your pal. Yeah. And yeah. this is what he wants from guys. Whether it's right or wrong, Whatever. Morgan Frost going in there and disagreeing with him might actually be a good step for yeah. this. Do I think it's all going to work out? No, because I just don't think he's this type of player. But maybe. Yeah. This maybe. is the first time where I'm like, maybe. Because, maybe. again, he's just like... Look, they trust Torts' ability to identify talent. They very clearly do. Keith Jones and Danny Breer, they trust him. But I think what they almost trust him more about is his ability to find guys that got that dog in him. Uh, and, and I really do think that's part of this, I is know. that John Tortorella acknowledged... John Turnerell for the last year and a half has been seemingly, and I don't think he's doing it for this reason, but he has almost tried to get a rise out of Morgan Frost. And if yeah. every time he scratched Morgan Frost and Morgan Frost, you know, when he talks to him, when he talks to Frost and Frost just says, okay, coach, I'll try to do better. Like he leaves, Frost leaves towards his office and Torres just thinks to himself, this kid just don't got it. Like that, that's, that's the exact opposite of the reaction he wanted to right. get from scratching Morgan Frost for two straight weeks. And it seemed like today, Torts was like, finally, finally, I got him to yell back at me. We're making progress. That's 11 scratchings later. <laughs> it's just so In the first three months weird. of the season. <laughs> oh man, uh, I just have to tell you real quick about FOCO because FOCO is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show for all non-presale items you promo code PHLY10. That's promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Go to FOCO today. Make sure you go to my Twitter and watch my video because it doesn't have nearly enough views. It's FOCO Claws visited me and left the ugly eagle sweater <laughs> and it's gorgeous. And I, I don't know. I just think this video needs everyone else. Oh, look at the sweater. It's so cool. I did a whole skit. I came out of my <laughs> bedroom and my wife's filming it. Like, Come on, there was some production so, sorry, value Bill. in this thing. Sorry, Bill. I, I, we we gotta we gotta ease your ego here. I get it. I get it. You <laughs> no, worked hard on that video. I haven't been here since that video debuted, and it was in fact brilliant. Yeah, the quick cut from me yes. having my hair down, and then suddenly I'm wearing the sweater with it. Uh, I come on. It's but shopping Foco is the most important thing. Use promo code PHLY10. Go, going right. back a second, because I was about to say, as before you jumped into the uh, the read, I'm going to get it. The down. Foco read. You know what the like the torts frost relationship kind of like like the fact that that frost didn't speak with the media today tells me that like frost is still pissed off but i compare it to you know the scene from jerry Maguire where they get into the fight and then cuba gooding jr is like you think we're fighting i think we're finally communicating <laughs> like that to yeah. me is tort like like Frost is Jerry Maguire stomping away all angry. And Torts is, is Cuba Gooding Jr. like, this is great. We're finally That's talking. And <laughs> we have said many times about John Tortorella, what everyone says about him is redeeming quality because he does present often as an asshole. His redeeming quality is, whether you see it or not, 
he cares deeply yeah, for his players. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not actually. He's not Mike Babcock. He's on yeah. the, like, there's a scale, and if Babcock's all the way over here, he's at, like, the 45%. You know, like, <laughs> he's not. And that's the difference. He cares, de- like, he's trying to push you to that point because he thinks it will make you a good player. Now, could he treat some guys differently and maybe there's not a one-size-fits-all Potentially, and that's why I, I would agree with that. Certain players, like who are very good, are like, no, nah, he's an asshole, and yeah. uh, my career was better off without him. Yeah, it exists, but he has had quite a bit of success. There are some guys that absolutely slip through the cracks yes. of John Torrella because, like, his way is not going to work for everyone, and some of the guys it doesn't work for are actually really talented and will be good elsewhere when away from John Torrella. By the on the flip side of it, though, there are other guys who are better for being with John Tortorella. Oh, Example being Rasus Ristolaide. One hundred percent. Like so, it's it's a it's a positive and negative thing. Like there are positives. There are guys that will improve because they thrive under the type of treatment that John Tortorella gives out to his players. And then there are some guys who just it's never going to work for, and they need to get out of here. And for a long time, I've, I had come to the conclusion early this season, basically when they had that long scratch of frost that like frost is just one of those guys that he just, his personality for whatever reason, just doesn't mesh with torts. And for his own sake, I hope he gets traded because I want to see if he is actually a legitimately good player when he's away from torts. Today was the first time where I thought like, okay, I'm still 90% sure this ain't going to work, but maybe there's a little bit of hope. Maybe. I wish we had Torts and Jake together at some point. Oh God, that would have been so good. That would have been a disaster. Is Jake too like sarcastic, passive aggressive? Like where he just be like, oh yeah, okay, fuck off. Like, or would they actually go head to head? It just would have been is, fun. It is possible. It's possible that, that Jake's ability just to speak his mind at all at every time <laughs> that maybe they would have ended up loving each other because like tor- here's the reason why I don't think they would have loved each other. Torts would have hated Voracek style of play. Yes. And, and I do a not perimeter yeah. player. <laughs> and I do not know if Voracek would ever have been willing to change. But if he could have gotten through to him, they would have been like like lifelong pals. Because I always saw Jake like it's a shame his career ended so like short because like I always saw him as a guy who would age well because of his size, because of his hands. Like if mm. he used to like learn to use that physicality a little, like he would have been tremendous uh sort of almost power forward but not exactly but like uh, anyway let's get to some fun stuff okay um the boys the, are gonna do it by the, the way goalie, the boys are gonna do it all yeah. right six to two oh, usa baby boys are back any, in town. Uh, do we have a box score do we have any the cutter, cutter did anything i don't he i don't know if he got any assists but he didn't he did okay he did has score. not scored okay. a goal let's get to what is not a goalie controversy but it is a competition. Seven. Oh, wait, Carter no, Hart sorry. versus Samuel Erson. Uh Hart. Oh God. Hart on the season, 912 save percentage, 266 goals against. In his last five, an 899 save percentage. Erson, yes. uh, 904 save percentage, 250 goals against, two shutouts on the season. Last five games, 919. And as we have seen, all of a sudden. He's on a little string now where he's getting a majority. And listen, he started three of the last five. This is not, oh, my God, he's taking over the number one. But we see for the first time in Carter Hart's career, he's not the clear cut. You have to play two-thirds of the games no matter what. And this competition, I think, is going to push both of them to some really, really solid levels. Also, in the world of they're going to need to resign Carter yes, Hart soon. That's a big one. Hopefully, maybe it keeps his number less. down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, how do we feel about what we're seeing out of both goalies and the way they've been handled? This is the best possible outcome. I've been saying since the summertime that this should be a 1A, 1B situation with these guys, and that seems to be what it's settling into, um, unless one of them, I guess, gets super shitty and one of them gets really good, unless that happens, which I don't think it's going to. It's looking like a 1A, 1B, and that's fantastic because, A, maybe Carter Hart doesn't get hurt this year. Gets hurt every year. Maybe with this, he doesn't get hurt. We have Sam Erson looking great, which means that maybe if Carter Hart is a dick about the contract and wants a ridiculous amount of money or term, we don't have to worry that the team's going to fall apart if we lose Carter Hart because Sam Erson's good, and we've proven it because he's played a bunch of games and he's been good in them. So it's like there's literally no downside 
to this shaking out this way. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And I can say too, you know, if you're worried about there being um, contention between the two goalies in the locker room today, I was watching them just shoot the shit across the, across the hallway. I mean, I don't think they're besties, but I didn't get the sense that like that Hart is frustrated that Arison is taking his job or that Arison got that start. It very much seems like they're, they're still cool with each other. And I, I didn't expect that that Hart would get frustrated and start blaming it on Arison if he started losing some starts. Look, Hart's a competitor. He wants to play. I'm sure he would have liked to have started last night's game, but I don't think it's going to make it so he then is a dick to Arison because he's annoyed that he's not playing in three out of four games like he was before. Look, and Kelly, everything you said is 100% true. I think... The emergence of Sam Harrison is nothing but good for the Flyers mm-hmm. on multiple levels. And obviously, you didn't mention the other thing, which is it gives the Flyers serious insurance if Carter yeah. Hart was involved with Hockey Canada. Oh, was, yes. was involved. That, that, it, it's huge. I mean, and it's not something that we you know want to dwell too much on because we've dwelt, dwelt on it enough. We don't know one way or the other. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is a chance that Carter Hart may be suspended for an extended period of time at some point in the future and maybe a guy that the Flyers understandably no longer want as a member of their team if it turns out he did some really, really bad things. And to have a guy like Erson who is showing that he can be a legitimate NHL starting goalie and a pretty good one, maybe not an elite one. I don't watch Sam Erson and I say, you know, there's the next Henrik Lundqvist. But if he can be a guy who every year is between 914 and 920 save percentage, like I'll take that. You can win with that. That's fine. Speaking of, these Swede kids are little sh- bitches. <laughs> Jumping USA players uh, are 30 really? seconds left. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Good. I love a little, love a little international know. contention. Yeah, right. uh, we're going to wrap up shortly, but Sorry. I did this work on shootouts, so I want to talk about it. I know Charlie hates the shootout, I hate the shootout. but it is a part of the game. Yes, it Charles. has been around for a long, long time. It's coming up on 20 years soon. I don't like, like that. Don't say that again. The shootout has been around longer in my life than it hasn't been. Uh, it's just what it is. It ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Cause if it was, they would just get rid of it. Now they keep saying like, Oh, well we need to figure out how to like stop letting games go to shoot. Or should we extend three on three? Are we going to fix three on three? It's like, if you hate the shootout, get rid of the shootout. Just do ties. You, the standings yeah. are the same. So like, just bring back ties. I was What's totally fine with ties. ties and, yeah, like, no fine. issue with ties. Especially considering like nothing changed. Like no. overtime losses are just ties. Now you got a point. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I did some digging on the uh, flyer shoot shootout stats the flyers <laughs> okay. real bad. let's talk about all time this is the best one let's all time in shootouts the florida panthers are the 30th ranked team in save percentage plus shooting percentage at 939 coming in at 31st once again they're they're ahead of seattle seattle's real bad and they've only ever had 13 yeah. so they're 32nd past the flyers eventually. by yeah. next year. it's gonna happen the flyers are 31st behind florida 896. The drop off so is unbelievable. Not only can they not score, they also can't stop now. They are by far the worst. 373 all time winning percentage in shootouts. Oof. It is. I realize that if I were to flip a coin a hundred times, maybe only 37 it would come up tails. That's possible. But this is a little more than that. Like, this isn't just the Flyers have had bad luck. For 20 years, they have been fucking awful at this. And there is a stylistic thing like, yeah, when one of your leading goal scorers for these 20 years is Mike Knubel or Scott Hartnell, like, maybe you're not going to win the breakaway competition. Yeah. Mitch Goff is going to change this, I think. But they can't score or stop hope. other teams from yeah. scoring for the entirety of the existence of this thing that could determine... Like, what happens? And we've seen it actually determine those things because somehow they won that one at the end of 2010. Somehow fucking Brian Boucher (laughs) won them a shootout against Henrik Lundqvist. I guess that is the example of, like, none of this matters. Like, when I can say Brian Boucher versus Henrik Lundqvist and the Flyers made the playoffs and went to the cup final because they won that competition. Yeah. Yeah. That's the example of this doesn't matter. Which is why I'm not, look, I'm guys, I'm not saying the shootout doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that it's not worth analyzing because it's all bullshit. I, I don't think it takes, go ahead. Come. I'm just going to say like, yes, but also 
you have to put the team in the best position to try to win it. And there are ways to do that that and ways to not. Like, you can't just pretend that, like, putting the fourth line players out one, two, three are are just as good of a shot as... But but they don't do that. Not always, but, but what, what, if, what if the Flyers put a fourth right. line no, player just, out there? I, in the I, show? I'm just saying, like well, Forster Bill's, had some shifts last night. Bill's thing so. about Konechny not getting a shot last Con- night is abs- it's, absurd it's absurd that he didn't. Now he is two for seventeen in his career. Okay, not but- a good, not a good ratio. However, a lot of those came early. This current version of Konechny has not had as many opportunities. Also, on this night on, in this game against this goaltender, he's and scoring goals. This like, team scores. Let's say all of its goals on the rush, and uh, they're basically all scored by Travis Konechny. <laughs> Maybe he's the one who should. Tyson Forster hasn't scored in a fucking month. He goes. Yeah. Like, all right, Katoria, he's got the one move. He's had some success this year. I'll allow it, even though like it seems as if everyone's caught on. I was gonna on say, to you, the when you move. only have one move, everyone figures out your one move eventually. Bobby, Bobby Brink last time he got to go. All right, he impressed me. He should probably go every time. He's one of these guys. Maybe Tyson Forster becomes one of these guys. He has not scored in a month. I, I just don't understand not putting Konechny out there in this sense. situation. I, I, it's I, I just I can't get angry about it because I think all of this is just coin flips anyway. I, I just can't. There's a reason why I said on the post game I don't even make your own luck. Have a two sided coin. I don't even know where to look to see shootout records it's, because I don't care. Right. Because to me, it's all just coin flips. I would agree that like macro level. I agree with you. Macro level, it's a coin flip. But like each individual game, those decisions, I think, can be analyzed in a logical like, way. Last night's game, there's zero reason why Travis Konechny isn't the first guy you're putting out on the ice to try to score a goal. If he scores, maybe the whole thing goes differently because maybe. now you're in their head. Now your team's feeling confident. Like a whole bunch of things could change. But like, does it matter in the long run? No. But each, I think like individually micro level a shootout can be analyzed and planned out logically and a lot of times Tortorella doesn't do it to me if there's anything that's worth analyzing from a shootout in my opinion I do think that goalies true talent does matter in a shootout because there are some goalies who are good on breakaways and some goalies who are not the flyers have had a lot of goalies during these last 20 years who are not good on breakaways which is why it was honestly disappointing they lost last night because i think sam harrison is like maybe their first goalie they've had in the last two decades that is good on shoot on breakaways like he's given up two goals in shootouts so far one was a tj oshi one was a johnny Johnny, like like i'll take it it sucks they lost that game but like if those are the only guys that can regularly beat sam harrison in the shootout i'll live with it no it's only the star guys yeah like and the dudes who it's like yeah i would put them out like in an all-star competition it's like i would choose them yeah like all right they're probably gonna score i, I think if especially sam, against a rookie it's a it was a bummer to me i really hoped that carter hart was going to be a good shootout goalie and it doesn't appear that he is it looks like he's average he's average at best he's not a plus the way airson's exactly yeah. it does seem to me and again small sample it does seem like sam airson might be a legitimately plus shootout goalie and if he you know, we'll see what happens if he ultimately becomes the Flyers' number one goalie in the next two, three years. Maybe that shooter record gets a little bit better. We'll see. Uh, they got a long way to go. They sure do. Uh, 59 and 99 all time. I don't remember those 59. Oh, man, we're, we're one away from 100? Yeah, 100. Yay! We got to celebrate shootout losses. We got to celebrate. That should be a thing. Uh, yeah, we, we got to tell the graphics department oh, to yeah. build something. Oh, yeah. Like, we got to put some highlights next together. Next week. Yeah. Get it ready. It'll, next, it'll, it'll buy, be next week. Buy a week. bottle of champagne. Airson's, pop it on air. Airson's next start, probably. They, they can't stop. The number of his games go to shootout. I did not realize. They can going yeah. to overtime, so. Yeah. I didn't realize they were 99 now. Man, they're only one away from 100. I am pumped. They've got to be the first team to lose 100 games in the shootout, too, right? Almost has to be. Almost. Since they're by far the worst. Yes. All right. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers. Thank you very much to our sponsor, Mortgage CS. Make sure you text Ben. Ask him, why didn't Travis Connecty get a shot last night? Or, like, ask him about your mortgage and all that situation. You know, the whole thing. Buying homes, et cetera. But also ask about Travis Connecty getting a shot at the shootout. Ask him about Travis Connecty. That's and most, Alex like that. Yeah, that's the most important thing to me. All right, <laughs> my name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor and for Kelly Hinkle. Have a great week, Philly. Y'all city like the mayor.